0: glad to be here. I'm thankful the Lord has enabled us to be here today. I'm glad you're here, and uh, we're thankful to be able to come and preach the Word just for a few moments today. I have uh, really been burdened here lately, especially uh, for the lost, and we've had in the last few weeks at Calvary, we've had so many visitors, uh, so many visitors, and even today we have quite a few visitors and, um, and so the Lord has just really, really burdened my heart for the gospel. And um, now you hang around a little while and we will, we'll preach the whole counsel of God uh, as we will tonight. And, um, and what we're going to preach tonight is far from politically correct, but it is biblically correct. And so I'm excited about what the Lord is going to do for us this evening. But may we never get away from the main thing. And the main thing is the preaching of the gospel. And so that's what I want to do today. That's what we did last week. We just sort of uh, camped out and focused on the gospel. And this morning, I want to do that once again. So I want to draw your attention to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. And what a great book the book of Ephesians is. And when you find your place... If you'll stand with us out of respect for the reading of God's Word, Ephesians chapter number 1, and we're going to start in verse 11, and we're going to read down through verse number 16 today, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 11, and I want you to really pay attention to the words. We believe we have a perfect Bible, it's perfectly worded, there's no mistake in it, and the Lord has worded it on purpose, the way he has worded it, he's worded it on purpose, um, and and I think you'll see that uh, in just a moment. Ephesians chapter one and verse eleven, the Bible says, "In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to the purpose of Him who worketh all things after the counsel of His own will, that we should be to the praise of His glory." Again, notice the wording: "Who first trusted in Christ." Now, I want you to really, really pay attention to verse 13. The Bible says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. Wherefore I also, after I heard, this is amazing just the way this is worded. Wherefore also, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. You may be seated this morning and I like to use a lot of stories and illustrations and things like that in my preaching and I'm not going to do that as much today. We're just going to really just, we're going to take this scripture and we're going to sort of take this scripture apart and dissect it, if you will, and, and uh, try to really unpack it for you. And it doesn't need much unpacking. It's pretty unpacked already the way it is. Uh, you know, you can just read it and it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory, but I want, to, uh, I want to expound on it. Maybe that's a good word. I want to expound on it a little bit today. And I hope that it'll be a help to you. Hopefully it'll be a blessing to you. And Well, I hope you'll give us a good hearing, I, and you do. You folks, are, you're good about hearing preaching and listening to preaching. And if you're here this morning and you don't know that you know that you're born again and on your way to heaven, oh, listen, uh, my heart's desire is that you'll just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart today and, and uh, don't let the enemy uh, take away from that. And so we want to try to be a blessing. As I speak on this uh, subject, salvation comes after salvation comes after now I've worded that on purpose Um, salvation doesn't come before salvation comes after And you'll know what I'm talking about here in just a moment. Let's go to the Lord, ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump into this Bible study today. Heavenly Father, we love you and thank you for the privilege to be back at Calvary Baptist Church. It's been a a wonderful morning, Lord, and I do, I I am sorry that we have a number of our folk that are under the weather, but Lord, even in spite of that, God, you have blessed and your Holy Spirit has been very evident uh, here today, and we're thankful for that, and and God, I just thank you for blessing your church. And, and I pray you bless your church today, not just this church, but I pray you bless those churches that are preaching and proclaiming truth today. And I pray that the people of God would be helped, and I pray that Christ would be lifted up and glorified. Heavenly Father, bless our discussion this morning. We'll go a little deep, not too deep, but we'll go a little deeper than maybe we normally would. And and so I pray that you'll bless our discussion. And God, as we prayed this morning in Sunday school, we pray again that you'll knit our hearts together. And God, help us to learn the truth that that, uh, will not only help us, but Lord, one that will literally change us. One that will change our life and put us on a new track, a new path. And Lord, I pray the Lord Jesus would be glorified through it all. Heavenly Father, the best that we know how, we plead the blood of Jesus over this service, over this pastor, over these people. And God, we pray that... Uh, that your perfect will would be accomplished today. Hide us behind thy word, Lord. We thank you for your blessings. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all the Lord's people said, amen. Let me tell you a little bit about the the book of, of Ephesians here. The epistle to the Ephesians was written by Paul, the apostle Paul. Of course, whenever I say that, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. But it was written by Paul at Rome And it was written about the same time as the letter to the Colossians, the uh, Church of Colossae. Uh, In fact, if you read Ephesians and you read Colossians... They match a lot. They, they're very similar. They, uh, the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians really resemble one another. You'd almost think that Paul was using some of the same, the same verses, uh, definitely using some of the same statements and, and some of the same truths. But let me tell you the difference there between the book of Ephesians and the book of Colossians, if, if I could. The epistle to the Colossians, it's what's referred to as polemical. It's a polemical book. And and basically what that means is this. Colossians was written in such a way as to refute errors that had crept into the church, some biblical errors, some theological errors that had made its way into the church of Colossae. And so when Paul the Apostle writes the book, it is polemical in nature. In other words, Paul writes this letter to the church to make sure that they don't get messed up with false doctrine. The book of Ephesians, although it resembles the book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians is not written with the same emphasis at all. The book of Ephesians is not necessarily polemical. Ephesians is simply a letter that springs out of Paul's love for the church at Ephesus and he wants to make sure Paul has an earnest desire and he wants to make sure that the church of Ephesus is fully instructed in the doctrines of the gospel. And so there's a little bit of a difference there uh, in the writing in those books. And so again, I want you to understand that when Paul writes the letter to the Ephesian church, he wants to make sure that these Ephesian Christians, which some of them are very young in the Lord, he wants to make sure that they fully, fully understand the parameters of the gospel. And church, here's the thing. We can agree to disagree on a lot of things. But not the gospel. Not the gospel. We have to make sure that we're, well, we have to make sure we line up with Scripture on the gospel. And that draws us to Ephesians chapter 1, verses 12 and 13, and that's our text today. And i want to draw your attention to those two verses, Ephesians 1, verses 12 and 13. The Bible says that we should be to the praise of his glory. Again, understand Paul's writing to this church in Ephesus, and well, uh, there's a lot going on in Ephesus. Ephesus is a wicked place. Oh my goodness. Uh, Ephesus is where the Temple of Diana is. Uh, it is... Uh, just wicked to the core. I mean, there's nothing good about it. Just wicked to the core. Uh, it's not only pagan worship. It's immoral worship. Uh, they they not only have pagan priests at the temple of, of uh, Diana, but they've got temple prostitutes. And it's just, listen, it's so bad. Uh, you studied out, you know, in the privacy of your own home, but it's so bad. It's not even things that we could even talk about in a mixed crowd. I mean, that's how bad it is. That's where Ephesians is, and, and Ephesians is a very pagan, pagan society. And so Paul writes to this. Church. And so get that in, in your mind as you're reading this. You're thinking, wow, this letter is being written to this young church. and uh, But also the Holy Spirit is applying it to us today. Ephesians 1 verse 12, Paul says to this church that we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ. Verse 13, in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, this scripture teaches us two wonderful, life-changing truths that i want to share with you today. Number one, we see a great truth concerning conviction. Conviction. And Brother Roloff used to say, no conviction, no conversion. There's got to be some conviction there. Uh, we see a great truth concerning conviction. Let me explain what I'm talking about. This really explains uh, why those who have never really attended church finally come to that place in their life where they have genuine conviction and they want to be saved. Why? Because we trust in the Lord after we hear the word of truth. So here's the thing: these folks I'm talking about, they've never really attended church. They've never really heard the gospel. Now, I believe it's important for us to understand something right here. It's very possible they heard preaching, not the gospel. It's very possible they heard teaching, but not the gospel. You see, you can hear preaching and not hear the gospel. You can hear teaching, and by the way, it can be captivating, it can be dynamic, it can be bombastic, uh, it can be teaching that, you know, really uh, is, is interesting and, and, and a, a teaching that really sort of satisfies your curiosities, and yet that preaching and that teaching can be, be minus the gospel. They may have heard motivational speeches. They may have heard Christian music. These people that I'm talking about may have observed a Catholic mass. While well, they may have even been involved in church liturgy or break room discussions, but here's the, here's the clincher. But one day they made their way into a church and for the very first time they heard the gospel and the gospel brought conviction and after that conviction, they desired salvation. tell, tell you something else, it explains why so many church attenders finally come to the place where they want to be saved. Church attenders. They were either attending a church that never preached the gospel and there are many of those today. And I'm not and you know if you've been here any time at all you say pastor critical. I'm not critical. And you know, if you, if you hang around here, you know, I'm not the kind of preacher that gets up here and criticizes other churches and criticizes other preachers. I don't do that. Not going to do that. Uh, but I will tell you this, there's a lot of, there's a lot of buildings out there that are labeled churches and they're not preaching the gospel. And so these people were either attending a church and never preached the gospel, or they were attending a church that did preach the gospel, but they never paid attention to the message. You say, Pastor, is that possible? It's very possible that they were going to a church that really was legitimately preaching the gospel and for some reason or another, Satan had blinded the minds of them that would believe and they had never paid attention. They had never paid attention to the message of the gospel and all of a sudden, one day, the preacher got up there and began to preach and the Spirit of God opened their heart just like he did Lydia in Acts chapter 16 and they heard the gospel or, or they visited a church for the very first time and heard the gospel of salvation and conviction came and after they heard the gospel and conviction came for the very first time they wanted to be saved. Amen. Now that's, that's exactly what Paul is talking about here in the book of Ephesians. Now either way church, I believe it's something, uh, something important we understand that hearing the word of truth is a necessity. Amen. Right. Hearing the word of truth is a necessity. It's a necessity to salvation. This this scripture in Ephesians chapter one verses twelve and thirteen makes makes absolute perfect sense. Because when we compare scripture to other scripture, we find out this, that the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation is a necessity for being saved. It's not just about hearing a song. It's not just about hearing motivational, a motivational speech. Listen, it's about hearing the gospel. And when you hear the gospel, there's something about the gospel that the Holy Spirit uses and he brings that person, he reels them in, if you will, and brings them to conviction and they finally understand something. I need salvation. Amen. Let me show that to you. Romans chapter 10 in your Bibles. Now hold your place in Ephesians because we're going right back there in Ephesians chapter one. But look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Hearing the word of truth is a necessity. It's a necessity uh, notice what our, our Bible says here in Revelation chapter 10 and verse number 14. Paul the Apostle says to the Romans, he says in verse 14, Romans 10 verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, it's the same chapter, but I want you to skip down a a few verses and look at verse 17, and notice what our Bible tells us here in verse 17. So then faith cometh by what? By hearing. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? By the word of God. That's a good verse for us to memorize right there. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, preacher, how is somebody saved? Now, don't, don't miss this because this is so simple and verses 12 and 13 in Ephesians chapter one, it is so simple, you'll just read right past and never pay attention to it and what we have in Ephesians chapter one is really a golden nugget. We have buried treasure right here and this is what Paul is saying. Church, you, listen, when you hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation God uses it to bring conviction in your heart and when you receive that conviction it is then that you realize that you need a savior but not before that not before that so Nicodemus uh brother Mike came out last Sunday morning he said, preacher, Nicodemus would have been a good story to use in that message. I said, brother Mike, it was in the outline. I just never made it there. Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a perfect example. Nicodemus was religious. Nicodemus was in, was involved in religion. In fact, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. A Pharisee. Now, uh, uh, you know what that means? That means the, 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 the religious hierarchy He was the most religious of the religious. I mean, uh, probably more than likely, to be a Pharisee, Nicodemus had to have the Pentateuch memorized by the age of 12. The Pentateuch, what are you talking about, preacher? I'm talking about the first five books of your Old Testament. Nicodemus more than likely I had those completely put to memory, memorized those before he was able to become a Pharisee Nicodemus was a religious man, he was probably a, a, a moral man, he was probably a good man I'm guessing Nicodemus was probably a good husband, if he had kids I'm guessing he was probably a good dad uh, if it would have been something called a church in that day he would have been a faithful attendant of the church he was definitely a faithful attendant of the synagogue and so Nicodemus was a great man, listen to me church but Nicodemus never saw his need of a savior you know why he'd never been exposed to the gospel and all of a sudden this man came on the scene named jesus and jesus began to preach the gospel and nicodemus a pharisee of the pharisees nicodemus hears the gospel and guess what happened conviction came conviction came And for the very first time, Nicodemus understood something that he never understood before. I am a religious man, but I'm lost. I am a moral man, but I'm lost. I'm a synagogue goer, but I'm lost. He heard the gospel. Conviction came after he heard the gospel. And Nicodemus said, You know what? I need a savior. I need a savior. Oh, listen. We hear the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, and then conviction comes. Now, you've heard my testimony many times. And I'm not going to take the time to, to give you my personal testimony, at least all the details, but you've heard my testimony. I grew, up in a, I grew up in a gospel preaching church. My pastor pastor of the same church for over 40 years, a faithful, faithful man of God uh, who no doubt is going to receive many rewards in heaven. And I had the honor of preaching his funeral when he went to heaven. But for many years, I went to a gospel preaching church, but never really paid attention to the message. Are y'all with me? My dad was a deacon. My mom was a Sunday school teacher. Uh, they, they took us to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I heard the message week after week, but never really paid it any attention. And then one Saturday night at a youth activity, when, when our youth director, who would later become my father-in-law, gave us, a, he gave us a little booklet on how to lead a soul to Christ and I'm sure we ate hot dogs that night and I'm sure we had activities that night, probably played some volleyball. And, and he said, all right, kids, everybody come on in, get around the table and we're gonna study on how to lead a soul to Christ. And, and so I remember we turned to that very first page in the book and, and he, said, he said, young people, he said, the first thing that you wanna do is you wanna ask this question, if you died today, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? And that's all I heard. That, that was it. Because when he said that, the Holy Spirit said, how about you? And man, conviction came. The gospel was being presented and conviction came. And instantaneously, by the way, church, when I heard it, I knew I needed it. I needed it. A deacon's son, but I needed salvation. A Sunday school teacher's son, but I needed salvation. Had been in in church all my life, but I needed salvation. And so understand something, Ephesians chapter 1 is telling us this, that conviction comes after, after we hear the gospel. Not only do we learn a great truth about conviction, but look at this one right here. Number next, we learn a great truth concerning conversion. Now go back to Ephesians chapter 1 again, and look at verse number 13. Not only do we see conviction, but we see conversion. And I'm going to tell you a couple things we notice here. Look at verse 13 though. Paul says to this church in whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Couple of things here. Number one, we see the timing of conversion. Now church, this is imperative. The timing of conversion. Did you notice what our Bible tells us in verse number 13? You and I weren't sealed or saved Before we believed. But after. Isn't that what he's saying? Let's look at it again. Verse number 13. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, then... There's a comma there. Then you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. You were sealed, you were saved, not before you believed, but after that you believed. Now that tells us a great truth. And the truth is this, nobody is born a Christian. You haven't always been a Christian. You say, preacher, I do not like what you're preaching. And here's the thing, church, it doesn't matter whether you like it or not. You have to take all those up with the Lord. And somebody says, Preacher, I don't agree with you. Then you, I'm gonna tell you something then. You had better do this. You had better hope to God that I'm wrong. But you better find some scripture to back up what you believe. Because I've come with my gun loaded. I've studied this book out and this is what it's telling us. Nobody is born a Christian. Now, here's the thing. You may have been born in a Christian home. Your mom and dad might be Christians. Your, your your grandfather, grandmother might be Christians. You may have been born in a Christian nation, and you were. Uh, you may have, uh, listen, you may have a family that, that took you to a Christian church, but, but a person is not saved until after they become a believer. That's what our Bible's teaching. I know this is simple, but it's so simple if we're not careful, we'll miss it. A person is not saved until after they become a believer. Look back at your Bibles again, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 18 and 19. We didn't read this earlier, but let's read it now. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. Uh, Paul says to this church, the eyes of your understanding, being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Look at this. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, Folks, the verse doesn't stop there. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? If the verse stopped there, we would all be saved. But it doesn't stop, does it? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward? What's the next two words? Who believe believe according to the working of his mighty power. Now, I'm not saying this. I'm not saying you're going to remember the exact date. I don't know the exact date I got saved. You know, we, we, didn't, we didn't do that. I mean, uh, uh, folks didn't do that quite as much back then. Now when we have somebody that's converted, man, we write down the date and the time and, and all those kind of things. We didn't do that, now, you know. Uh, and, and so I don't know the exact date that I got saved. I know this, it was in the summertime because I was mowing the yard at our church. I remember it was on a Saturday because that's typically when I mowed the yard at our church. I was mowing on a Saturday. I remember my preacher coming in that day and, and I remember this. I remember this. I remember being under heavy conviction, heavy conviction. Every time I'd make a round on that lawnmower, the Holy Spirit said, you better get saved. And I'd try to make some kind of excuse and the Holy Spirit said, you better get saved. And I'd make another round, and the Spirit of God said, "I'm just telling you, you better get this taken care of. you better get this taken care of." And, and I thought, "Lord, but my daddy is a, a deacon, and my mom's a Sunday school teacher, and we've been going to this church all of our life. And, and the Holy Spirit said, "I know all that, but you better get saved. you better get saved, you better get saved." And, and that day my pastor pulled in, thank God, on a Saturday, and, and went into his office, and I remember going to the office, and, and he must have knew because he could sit on my face, and man he just invited me right in. And, and preacher gave me the gospel. Oh, I'd heard it, but he gave it to me again. And that day I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior. You may not recall the exact date, but there had better been a time when you became a believer. Yes, sir. When was that time? When was that time that you became a Christian? You said i always been a Christian. No, church. That's not, that's not, that does not line up with Scripture. No one's, no one has always been a Christian. If I were to go to Brother Rodney and say, Brother Rodney, Brother Rodney, when were you born? Brother Rodney says, Pastor, I've always been born. No, Rodney, no. When, when were you born? Preacher, what is wrong with you? Are you confused? I've always been born. I'm like, no. Brother Rodney, no, no. I'm, I'm asking, when were you birthed into this world? Uh, okay, hey, Rodney, when is your birthday? And he says, preacher, I've always had a birthday. I've always had a birthday. You say, preacher, that doesn't make any sense. You're exactly right. Nor does it make sense when people say, I've always been a Christian. No, according to John chapter three, when you and I accept Christ as Savior, we are born again into the family of God. We are birthed into the family of God. We become a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. But here's my question. When was that time for you? When you heard that message, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, the spirit of God sent conviction, conviction, and you became a believer in Jesus. We see the timing of of conversion. Look at this and we're gonna be done here in just a moment. We see the transformation of conversion. Oh church, this is good, don't miss this. Look at verse 13 again. Ephesians one verse 13, in whom you also trusted, Paul says to this church, in whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after, not before, In whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. Now, church, let me teach you what that's talking about. According to the word of God, after a person is saved, they are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Isn't that what he just said? Uh, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit. And well, okay, let me, let me back up. You say, preacher, what does that even mean? This is what our Bible teaches: that when you become a born again child of God, God's Holy Spirit takes up residence in your body. Your body becomes a house. Your body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit begins to make a new creature out of you. And so, for all those who say, "Well, preacher, I would be saved, but there's no way I can live the Christian life," you're right. No debating on that. You're right about that. You and I can't live the Christian life. Right. That's why God is so good because when we get born again, you know what happens? His precious Holy Spirit comes inside and thank God he begins to make us new from the inside out. Amen. The Holy Spirit. Let me give you, hey, let me give you some verses. I, want, I don't want you just to hear it. I want you to hear the verses. Listen to, uh, listen to 1 Corinthians 3 verse 16. Know you not that you're the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple ye are? How about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. How about Titus chapter 3, verse number five? Not by works of righteousness, Which we have done. But according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And so, at conversion, after conversion, you know what happens? The Spirit of God, we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But I'll tell you something else. Don't miss this. After a person is saved, they are set. They're not only sealed, they are set. For a heavenly destiny. Did you know what your Bible refers to the Holy Spirit as? It calls him the earnest. <laughs> the earnest. Let me give you some, some scripture on that. Second Corinthians one twenty two, Who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse five. Now, now he that hath wrought us for the same thing is God, who hath also given us the earnest of the Spirit. The earnest, the Holy Spirit is the earnest. It is the, it is the, it is the Greek word Hebon. And this is what it means. Part of the purchase money or property given in advance as security for the rest. Again, old truth, I've taught this before, but this is worth teaching again. If you're getting ready, maybe there's a young, young couple here this morning and you have recently bought a house, we're getting ready to buy a house and you're talking to that realtor and you finally find that dream house where you wanna set up housekeeping and, and you say, that's the one, that's the one we want right there, that's the one we want, we want that one. Your realtor says, here's what you need to do then. You need to put down some earnest money. Now, what does that mean? That means if you're really, really serious about coming back to claim that house right there, if you don't want anybody else to get it, you need to put down some earnest on it. And when you put down, oh, come on now. Hey, and when you put down that earnest on that, what you're saying is, I'm coming back, that's mine. I'm coming back to claim what is mine. Hey, friend, I want to tell you something. When you became a born-again believer, a child of God, God put his Holy Spirit inside of you. He put down earnest money on your soul. And he said, I want to let you know, I'm coming back to claim what is mine. Yeah. You say, preacher, how do you know the Lord's coming back? I'll tell you how I know, because I have the earnest. I have the down payment. I have the Holy Ghost living inside of me that tells me the Lord is coming back. But let me give you something else. And this is is hot off the press. I didn't have this in the outline originally. I wrote this down. After a person is saved, they are sanctified for God's glory. Look at verse 12 again. Ephesians chapter one, verse 12. Look what Paul says. That we should be to what? To the praise of whose glory? His glory. You're not to live to yourself. I'm not to live unto myself. That we should be to the praise of his glory. Wow. Okay, preacher. Preacher. Is that everybody? Look who it is. That we should be to the praise of His glory, who first trusted in Christ. Friend, let me tell you something. When I got born again, God put down earnest on me. God put down the Holy Spirit on me. And he said, This, I'm coming back to get you. You're mine. You're sealed with the Spirit of God. You're sealed. And He said, You're set. Friend, let me tell you something. Boy, the more you live, the longer you live, the more you realize something. Life is fragile. Yes, sir. This life's fragile. Listen, the bugs are getting worse, the bugs are getting meaner, and the bugs are getting longer. And the world's getting prepared for the last days. Are you all listening to me? The more, more I pastor, the longer I pastor, the more I understand something. This life's fragile. It's fragile. But I got good news. You say, preacher, how can you say that with, with, you know and not be worried? Because I'm set. Right. Yes, sir. I'm set. If you get work tonight or you get work later this week, and and you hear preacher had a heart attack, full over dead with a heart attack. I mean, they're making plans for his funeral service. Well, number one, you better cry. All right, you better. <laughs> but don't cry too much. Rejoice. Right. Man, have a listen, have a celebration. You know why? Because, listen, if you get news this week that pastor's falling over dead with a heart attack, you can rest assured I am sealed by the Spirit of God and I am sent for a heavenly home. Amen. And that's worth, something, that's worth getting excited about. But not only that, I am sanctified. Now that I'm born again, after that I've heard the word of truth, the gospel of, of salvation, now I am sanctified to bring glory to my Savior. It's what my life's all about. That's why I wanted to be here today. Man, we've had sickness in the home and I'm praying, Lord, keep us well. Keep us well, please. Keep us well. I want to preach. I want to preach. You say, why do you want to preach so bad? I'm here for his glory. Man, that's what life is all about. I'm here to please him. The songwriter said it like this. Oh, how great was the debt that I owed. Bound to pay for the seeds I have sown. But in Jesus, my Lord, what great treasure I have found. I'm redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And in 1865, Elvina Hall wrote these words. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Someone said it like this: I owed a debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. Longfellow said you could take a worthless sheet of paper and write a poem on it and make it worth a thousand dollars. That's genius. Rockefeller could sign his name to a piece of paper and make it worth millions. That's capital. Uncle Sam can take gold and stamp an eagle on it and make it worth dollars. That's money. A craftsman can take material that's worth only $5 and make an article worth $50. That's skill. An artist can take a 50-cent piece of canvas, paint a picture on it, and make it worth $1,000. That's art. But listen to me well. But God, and only God, can take a life that's sinful and without joy and wash it in the blood of Jesus Christ and put his Holy Spirit inside it and make it a blessing to humanity. You know what that is? That is salvation. (laughs) Man, you say, preacher, you need to calm down. Friend, it's not time to get calmed down. It's time to get fired up. I am saved, and on my way to heaven. How about you? How about you? Well, preacher, I've always been a Christian. No, no, not according to Scripture. There needs to come a time when the word of truth is preached and conviction of the Holy Spirit comes and you become a believer in Jesus. Will you bow your heads with me this morning, Father? Thank you for this time we've had together today. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for its simplicity. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that it, it teaches us and thank you, Lord, that it's understandable. And God, I, I don't know exactly all the reasons you wanted me to preach this message this morning, but I believe there was a reason. I know there's no accidents with you. You're an omnipotent, omniscient God. And so Lord, I pray right now that you would work in hearts. Matthew 6, talks about the Father drawing us to his Son. And God, maybe there's someone here this morning and maybe it could be for the very first time They're experiencing conviction. God, for the very first time, they've come to that place where they realize, I am a sinner that's desperate for a savior. And so Lord, I pray right now that you would open their heart and give them understanding. In the quietness of this moment, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wonder, just a a question or two, I wonder how many are here this morning. And you'd say, preacher, if I died today beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I know that I know that I'm on my way to heaven. And without anybody looking, just for a moment, how many, you'd just slip your hand up and you'd say, pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Here's my hand as a testimony. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, though. How many are here right now and you'd say, Pastor, I'm gonna be honest. I'm getting ready to be incredibly honest. If I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go. Pastor, I wanna go to heaven. There's not even a doubt about that one. I wanna go to heaven. I'm just not sure it would. I'm not sure that I've ever come to that point in my life where I realized how desperate I was for the Lord and I received Him as my Savior. If that's you this morning, without anybody looking, would you just slip your hand up right now and say, Pastor, that's me. Please remember me. I'm not gonna come back and try to drag you down the aisle. I just wanna pray for you. And you'd say, Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure I'm saved. Would you please pray for me? Is there one like that anywhere you'd slip your hand up right now? Just raise it high so I don't miss you, so I can pray for you. Anybody at all like that here this morning? Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray? I see that hand. Thank you so much. Is there somebody else? Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you remember me? Anybody else? You'll let me pray for you? Anybody else? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I see that hand. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. It's a blessing. Anybody else? Before we pray? I want to get you in on this prayer. Hey, child of God, can I ask you a question? Knowing that you are a believer... You're sanctified for His glory. You've been set apart to bring glory to Him. So here's a good question for you. Are you doing that? Are you glorifying the Savior with your life, with your testimony, with your words, with your actions, with your lifestyle, with your marriage, with your home, with your finances? Are you glorifying the Savior by your life? If there's some room to work on that. Here's what I'm gonna encourage you to do in just a moment. I want you just to slip out down to this old-fashioned altar and I want you to do business with the Lord. Lord, I understand I'm saved. I understand because I'm saved, I'm to bring glory to to you. God, use me to honor the Savior. Use me to honor God in every single thing that I do. Would you do us a favor? Would you stand with us all over the house? Father, thank you for your blessings. And God, thank you for this message. God, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel message. What a joy. Father, I pray that you are work in this invitation. Thank you for these hands that were raised. God, I pray right now that you'd open up their heart, just like you did Lydia in Acts 16. And God, I pray that, that maybe even for the very first time, they would understand conviction of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray today they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. I pray in just a moment they'd come and let us take a Bible and show them how they can know that they know that they're on their way to heaven. And then, Lord, I pray you'd help Christians to come and just gather around the altar, dedicate their lives to the Lord. Lord, may we glorify our Savior. So Holy Spirit, give courage, give faith now, and we sure thank you and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name. Our personal workers are already in the in the altar space. If you're here this morning and you raised your hand and said, Brother Pope, I'm not sure if I died that I would go to heaven. I want you to slip out right now. Just slip out and come right now. If you need to bring somebody with you, that's fine. Just ask somebody there beside you. Will you go? Will you go with me? And you just come on. And we, we want to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Will you come? While we wait, while we wait, hey, child of God, would you come? Would you come? Maybe there's somebody here this morning, and you say, "Brother Pope, I am saved. I, I am born again. I know I'm born again. But I, I didn't mean to let it happen. But somewhere along the line, I sort of got off course. And I, I, I sort of wavered, got away from the will of God. And preacher, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I really need to rededicate my life to Christ. Hey, listen, while we wait, would you just step out and come? Would you come?